You know, here on a Sunday or whenever you gather, you know, um, you know, it's it's very easy for us just to be able to celebrate, to praise God, to sing songs, to lift hands. Um, and you know, I, I do know that as a a people of faith, uh, we really are a a people that. Um, that God has called to be uniquely different here in this world. And, and I want to ask a question of us all. And that is, as we've been on this journey in 1 Corinthians, we, we are continuing on this journey. In fact, I was wrestling with the fact of what do I preach on here on an on a anniversary weekend. Um, and we were wrestling with that. And then Junior Russell, the picture of the gentleman at the, at the top of the ramp out there, he's the older gentleman. Um, we used to meet uh, frequently his first, my first couple of years here. And he just said, Brian, never veer away from teaching the truth of the Word of God. Just never veer away from that. And if I did that, he would roll over in his grave. And so uh, I'm going to stick true to that because he never... Uh, was shy about reminding me that he was a charter member and uh, that he had a lot more say and pull than everybody else. But this is the question for us all today. Is it really expected of me to live a holy life? I know. I mean, when we look at the church, um, the thing that's broken my heart more than anything, what the Holy Spirit of God used to really called me into ministry was how lightly I saw this statement answered with a definitive, absolutely, yes. In fact, it breaks my heart when I hear pastors who have had to shy away from the subject matter that we are going into today in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 because it's like it's already a losing battle. Culture has already won. So we need to uh, hit the next subject matter. And I tell you, young people, I, no matter what age group you are, you need to hear this text here today. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 because it's going to hit a subject matter that is so important. It's so important. Pastor Kenneth has done a wonderful job of uh, continuing to bring up this subject matter. And I know for me this week, I've just got to be honest with you, this has been a very, very tough week on Tammy and myself. Uh, my mom, any moment right now, is going to get her heavenly promotion. For the last three days, we've been sitting by her bedside. Um, everything turned on Monday. Um, this time last week, this was not even a thought that we could be saying goodbye to my mom here on this side of glory um, this week. And uh, it's been very emotionally tough. I just got to be honest with you. It's been really tough for Tammy and I since December, uh, first week of December. It has been a road. I know many of you, we can now empathize with what it's like to have aging parents that you're taking care of. And so we praise God that he's taught us that it hasn't been easy um, but at the same time, people say, well, then why are you here today? Um, because it, it's just like right now she is just about ready to get her promotion. We've said our goodbyes. I'll see her after church here today. But uh, this subject matter today on holiness is so important that we're going to spend two weeks on the subject matter in this particular text because the subject matter deals with uh, this particular theme, porneia, 
porneia in the Greek, any sexual activity outside of the marriage relationship. And see, I've been hearing of Christians who are just saying, we are ready for revival in this country. Look, we are ripe for revival in this country. And I would say, absolutely, we are ripe for revival in this country. But revival is not just an event to attend or an experience to behold. It is a lifestyle to live. Would you agree with that? Uh, Man, I pray for revival all the time. But I tell you, revival will not happen until we as a people of faith get serious about a relationship with the living God and that God himself has said, you be holy for I am holy. Holy is the most descriptive uh, characteristic of his nature that we have in Scripture. Be holy for I am holy. What does that look like? Uh, uh, The Apostle Paul is going to tell us. But I tell you, we have grown to rationalize things so much, so much in our culture, and, and we can no longer do that. But before we get into this text, there are three different approaches when it comes to the subject matter of sexual sin or sexual uh, temptation. Um, the first of the three approaches is a more liberal approach. And this is the approach the Apostle Paul is hitting here in our journey in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's the approach that the people were taking that, you know, sin is no big deal. That it's, it's not a big deal. Sexual sin is not a big deal. It is just sin. And we've been reminded through this particular series that Corinth was Las, like Las Vegas. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. And really, the sexual activity, it was considered more, hey, you know, this is, hey, that, that is your body. You are free to do whatever you wish to do with your body. And the Apostle Paul is saying, no, that is not. We are to be distinct. Remember around this time, the terminology for followers of the way. Um, in Antioch, we became known as Christian And why did we become known as Christian in Antioch? Do you know that the uh, English equivalent of I-A-N at the end of a name um, was a political label? A political label. The political label is that there was Herodians, which meant they were followers of Herod. They obeyed the rule of Herod. Um, there, um, you know, a, a Caesar would be the name of a Caesar. Um, and then IAN would be put after that saying that we follow the authority of the Caesar. So in Rome, people didn't matter. It did, did not matter to the Roman government that people would gather together to worship, to sing, to praise, to get in their holy scriptures. They didn't mind that. What they minded, and this is why Christians became labeled Christian, because it says they are under the authority of Jesus Christ. They are Christian. They're under his authority. That makes them very unique and a threat to the Roman Empire because they follow what they say is a higher supreme than Caesar, and that makes them dangerous. But see, the liberal approach the Apostle Paul is going to hit today and says that this sexual sin that is happening in the church of Christ, um, it is a big deal. 
It is a big deal. You can't just say, hey, no big deal. Um, But then secondly, and this is where a little bit more those in the faith say, well, this is a a better approach. It's the legalistic approach. Um, The legalistic approach would look at what we're talking about in this passage today and say sexual sin is the worst sin. It's the worst sin. If you do anything that is listed here, then that is, it's almost like, yes, God will forgive you, kind of. But you did that. And that's, that's just, you, you can't do that. You, well, you know, that is just as dangerous. That's the far end of the other spectrum. And I would say just as dangerous as the other See, the biblical view is this, and I think it's so important for us to know, that sexual sin is a big deal that also can be fully forgiven, okay? Sexual sin is a big deal. We're going to be reminded of that here in the next two weeks. It is a big deal, but it can be fully forgiven. I remember years ago um, hearing a pastor by the name of Matt Chandler, he was telling a story, and he was telling the story of... uh, um, a, a situation where he was in one of these um, commitment to purity kind of rallies and all that kind of stuff. And he said the, the, uh, the teacher had a rose and he said, okay, go and you pass this rose around and, and, you know, smell it and touch it and all that kind of stuff. And he said this rose was passed throughout the whole, um, you know, assembly time together. And at the end, he says, okay, when everyone has touched that, and handled that. He says, bring up the rose to me. And so after all of that was done, the rose was brought up. And because so many people handled it, touched it, and all that, there was parts of it that that rose was was wilted. It was droopy. It had been handled. It was uh, petals falling off, all of that kind of stuff. And he says, and the leader of that raised up that rose, and they says, now who would want this? And Matt says, he was sitting in there and says, Jesus wants that. Jesus wants that rose. Yes, that rose is special. But to make a point, it's just like nobody wants this rose. Nobody wants this broken rose. You must stay pure or else you are going to wind up like this. And I think this is where we have to have the biblical approach of saying, yes, sexual sin, very, very serious, very important. If you have anything in this passage that it's just like, ooh, guilt and shame and all that, please understand there's forgiveness. There is full forgiveness. So I want to set that up here before we uh, read our text here today as we continue the series, A Holy People in an Un holy land. And, you know, um, I want us to stand as we read God's word. First Corinthians chapter six, beginning of verse 12 through 20. It says this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. He's really restating a quote that was a popular quote there in Corinth. And, and the, the Christians had embraced this that said, hey, now that we're free in Christ, we can do whatever we want. Verse 13 says, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. 
And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and, and make them members of a prostitute? Never. See, verse 15 is the main subject matter that he was addressing that was the sexual sin that was rampant in this church. That those within the church were... were uh, linking up with prostitutes, temple prostitutes, holding on to their old ways and bringing them into the new ways. And Paul was saying, never shall this be. Verse 16 says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit with Within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the word of God. Please be seated. You know, in, to, to summarize this, this uh, text a little bit, there is a principle. The principle we see here is found in verse 13. The principle is this. Your body is for pleasing God more than for personal pleasure. Isn't that good? (laughs) Memorize that. Your body is for pleasing God. Now, does our society and culture say that? No. Our society and culture says, hey, it's your body. You do with your body whatever you want to do with it. And God's word is saying, no, it says your body is to be a vessel to be used for honoring the Lord. And so that is the principle that is found throughout this text. That is the summarizing principle. And I know I talk to young people like this all the time, 20 somethings, and it's like, yeah, right. Hey, I believe there can be revival, but there's going to be revival when we come under the authority and allow the truth of God's word to inform our ways, not let culture inform our ways. Yes, there can be a revival, but kids, you've got to understand, there's the world that's saying this is no big deal. God's word is saying, no, it is a big deal. We're going to continue to talk about this because there's only two commands really in this text. The first command is this, flee from sexual immorality. Verse 18, says, flee from it. Do you remember Joseph in Genesis? He was this Potiphar. Potiphar's wife uh, made a move on, on Joseph, and Joseph fled the scene. He didn't dance with, he didn't entertain that. He, he, he fled from that. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom literature, in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3, it says this, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. It's just like, isn't that true? There's enticement to it. But then in verse 4, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. It says we are to flee from that. Yes, there is almost like the the, the sirens in Greek mythology that would sing and draw you. But it's like, no, you are to turn. You are to flee. Yes, it's enticing, but you are to flee because 
um, sexual sin has so many complex components to it has its tentacles in so many parts of one's life, affecting your relationships, affecting your marital relationship, affecting so many different aspects. And so we are to flee, but then the second part is this, the second command, honor God with your body. So um, because of time, man, I tell you, uh, this is going to be the overview. Next week we're going to press in a whole lot more, okay? Okay. here are six important realities to embrace concerning sexual purity. You ready for this? Um, I, I please hope that you would write these down, that you will take note of these, that you will go through. You need to understand this. Sex is a good gift from God. Wait, I didn't hear any amens. I mean, come on. It's like, yes, sex is a great gift from God. I know some have been raised in households where it's almost like you would do what, the, what some in the Corinthian church were doing. To say, hey, to be unique from culture, any sexual activity is wrong. No, it is not. It is a good gift from God. We've got a whole book of the Bible about it. Song of Solomon. I mean, praise God that God created sexual intimacy to be enjoyed And that wasn't just like a handshake, and that's how you multiply. That would be boring, right? But God in his creativity and in his joy of celebration, young people, you need to know sex is a good gift from God. But secondly, this, that biblical prohibitions are guardrails for your protection. And this is where our culture doesn't want to come under any authority. It's just, man, if you tell me what to do, then, then you, uh, you are wrong. Uh, I don't listen to anybody but me. I am my own God. Now, we never say that, but that's how we live. And so we need to know that anytime there are commands like this, it's not because God wants to hold out on you. It's because he wants the best for you. He doesn't want you to have to go through the heartbreak that many of you are having to live through due to somebody's sexual immorality, whether that be adultery, whether that be addiction to pornography. We're going to be hitting that more really hard in, in the fall when uh, we, we get to chapter 7. But I tell you, these biblical prohibitions are guardrails for my protection. This is why we see this, that uh, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And then continuing on, you need to know this. With every pleasure, there is a corresponding pain. Now think about, think about this. Um, with every pleasure, there is a corresponding pain. It's, it's uh, the pleasure-pain principle and it kind of works like this. Um, how many of you love brushing your teeth every day? All right. Uh, how many of you don't brush your teeth at all? <laughs> all right. Okay. See, the pleasure pain principle is this. That, you know, if I don't go through the pain of brushing my teeth every day, uh, or the, or the uh, yeah, uh, I will have the, well, how does that work? Okay. Okay, I'm thoroughly confused here. It's like, I will go through the pain now so I could have the pleasure of not having cavities. 
Okay? You get that right? But if I have the pleasure now of not brushing my teeth, then I will have the pain of cavities. Do you see how that works? Okay, so if I go through the pain now of holding my body to be pure and wait for my spouse someday, man, that is painful, especially in our culture. But the pleasure is, man, you have the word of God saying, drink, drink deeply, enjoy the wife of your youth. Just enjoy And so um, we need to understand that if you take the pleasure now, you will experience the pain later. That's just how it works. You need to hear that. Fourth is this. My body belongs to God. Really? Yes. My body belongs to God. It's not meant for sexual immorality. Um, See, in this culture right here, the body was looked to as the stomach. This is why he gives this illustration. It's like the stomach was meant for food. So it just says, you know, eat all you want. Um, But the corresponding uh, parallel with how this church was living was, hey, you know what? This is a body. This is meant for our enjoyment so we can use our body however we want for whatever sexual um, activity we want. It's not going to harm us. And uh, we're reminded in Scripture that, no, your body is not your own. It belongs to God. The money that you have doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. You manage it. See, very same principle throughout. Um, Next one is this. My body is a member of Christ himself. My body, because I'm one in Christ, because I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior, I find myself one in him, that wherever I go, he goes. And this was very vivid graphic imagery in this text. But he says, man, do I, make, do I bring the Lord into the bed of a prostitute? Because I bring the Lord wherever I go. I mean, think about that, folks. This is very serious in how he brings this up. This is why he says we are to flee from sexual immorality. Because all other sins are outside the body. But there's something about this one because of this, this uh, sixth and last point. My body is God's temple. My body is God's temple. Your body is God's temple. You know, throughout Scripture, we see three different temples. We see the Old Testament temple that goes into Jesus' time. But we then see Jesus' body as the temple. Remember, he says, hey, you destroy this temple in three days. I will bring him back again. Okay? But then the third temple is you. You are a temple of the living God. We live in a day where people rationalize all the time. I find myself counseling people um, frequently that have made poor, poor choices, that have rationalized and used rationalizations like, well, you know what? Um, God knows we'll probably get married in the future, so we're just enjoying things now. It's like, yeah. But so many times we just say, hey, God, honor me, honor me, honor me. And there's a very glaring part where he just says, hey, you know, I love you. I love you. But you are embracing something that is not my intention for you. You know, it's a loving God who's just like a loving parent. A loving parent will give warnings, say, do not play with fire or you'll get burned. 
This is the Apostle Paul as a spiritual daddy who the Holy Spirit of God used to write this to say, don't play with fire. You're going to get burned if you do. I know this is a very difficult subject matter for some people because maybe there's part in your story that you just feel a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt. But I, let me please encourage you. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I praise God for that. Man, he, I mean, we don't have to wear that scarlet letter like Hester Prynne. Uh, I mean, that can be erased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you've got to be able to forgive yourself. But my, my, my challenge for those of you who are just like, yes, but this has become my habit. This has become my lifestyle. I have embraced pornography. I have embraced lusting in my mind. It's taking me down these places. I am trapped. I'm ensnared. I tell you, you do not need to be. You are now, man, you are now one with Christ. Yes, I don't want to be as simplistic as you got to just give it to Jesus and he's going to let everything good. But here's what I've had to do in my life, in my areas of struggles. I've had to say, okay, Lord, um, I'm going to go deeper. What is it that is the draw to this? What is the draw to this? Holy Spirit of God, let's work on the root. Because it's the root that produces the fruit. Let's work on the root. And I find that much of the root... um, in uh, past dabblings, pornography, that kind of thing, was the pain I was living in, and I had so much pain, and I was looking to numb it, and like an addiction, it was like, it just overwhelmed, because it's like, this will numb your pain, and it's like, no, I go back to pleasure pain principle. It's like, you go for immediate pleasure, but then at the end, it's just like, ugh. There's just more pain, more pain. It compounds, it compounds, it compounds, it compounds. We've got to address the root, folks. And if revival is going to happen, you guys, I I tell you, it's going to take some gutsy, bold people to say, hey, I am a Christian. I am under the authority of Christ. I don't just praise him. I obey him. That is what it means to be a Christian. That is what it means to live a holy life. And it's not that God loves you any less or any more. He, just as your creator, wants the best for you. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that we are going to dig in next week? I'm going to have all 40 minutes next week. I want you to come prepared next week. Um, But I tell you, we have built in to um, our, our front up here response stations. And I know um, that has been a, a, a difficult thing for um, a place like a Bible church to embrace. But I tell you, I've seen revival happen when people were gutsy enough to say, you know, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care who sees me. I'm going to get up and I am going to do business with God. Now, he can do business right where you are. I'm not discounting that at all. But some of us need to have a physical representation of what is going on in our spirit inside and say, I need to, I just need to bring it before the cross. I need to just come and just say, you know, let the words that we sing just cover over you as a anointing oil over you. But I want you, I, I want to pray. I want to pray for the, those of you right now that are, that, that are feeling trapped, ensnared. You want to break free. 
you've tried and tried and tried again, can I encourage you, invite others into the process with you. Invite others in and say, I need help. This is why we have the church. This is what the church needs to be, a place where we can be open. And and so let me pray over you right now. Lord, I pray for those who are in this sense of bondage. Lord, uh, may the power of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Savior, wash them clean as white as snow so that they don't have to live in shame and regret or feeling like a second-class Christian, but they can live in the fullness of who they are in you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will break chains now. Lord, help us, I pray, in your holy name. Amen. And for those of you, for those of you who have no clue what it means to have the Holy Spirit of God purify you, making you into uh, the temple of the living God. God will not indwell an unholy inhabitation. However, we become holy through the Holy Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us. And if you have not taken that step, man, I just, wherever you might be right now, I'm gonna pray over you right now. Lord God, I pray for those who maybe stubbornly um, or unknowingly are just living life to the best that they can, taking the cues from the people and the friends around them. But Lord, I pray that today will be a day of their salvation where they can step into the newness of life with you. And Lord, be able to live in the fullness of life that our creator has designed us to live. Lord, thank you for this passage of scripture that's so difficult, but it was not written to those who are outside the faith. It was written to those who have made confessions of faith in Jesus Christ and saying, now that you've done that, be a holy people, a set apart people, a unique people from this culture. And may we, the church, be able here at Grace Spring Bible Church, those who call in the name of the Lord, may we take seriously your holiness so that we can receive and experience the fullness of the freedom that we have in you. I pray this over our people and everyone listening right now in the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You know, as we respond, we always want to respond in song and respond in offering, respond in a variety of different ways. But I I just, I really do want to encourage us in our time of offering. You might need to offer yourself to the Lord. And you might need to exercise time in these stations. At the end of service, we'll have people praying over you, praying with you. Every week, we want to have the opportunity for you to do business with Almighty God. We don't look down on anyone (laughs) that are making these kind of uh, vulnerable statements. But I pray that we be a church that increasingly um, allows the Holy Spirit of God to do what only He can do in our hearts from the inside out. Amen? Let's stand and let's rejoice.